Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hello and welcome to the first game preview of the 2022 Nebraska football season. You're listening to Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer fan podcast, and the official podcast of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. I'm Drew, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, Ben. Thanks, Drew. Each episode, we will sample craft beers, mostly local, some beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight. We encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the most up-to-date show information. And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform or listen to each episode on wannabewalkons.com. On this week's episode, Drew and I will share a glass of the black stuff, a flute of Irish champagne, a pour of black custard, or quite simply, a pint of plain. We'll also preview Nebraska's matchup and give our thoughts on the non-Guinness offerings at Dublin, Ireland's Aviva Stadium. I'm Drew. And I'm Ben. And this is Wannabe Walk-Ons. So, Drew, before we dive into talking about Guinness and talking about Nebraska versus Northwestern, the very first game of the season coming up very, very, very soon. Get excited, people. Yes, we have a very special announcement about a new feature coming to our podcast. All right, let's hear it. It is the Wannabe Walk-Ons, Wannabe Talk-Ons hotline. (laughs) So now fans can call in to our show after games, give their reactions. We'll listen to them on air. And then we'll react to the reactions, I guess. Nice. I can't wait. And it's unfiltered. You can say <laughs> whatever you're feeling, whatever you want. The phone number for this is 402-427-0258. 402-427-0258. When you call, here's what you're going to hear. Thank you for calling the Wannabe Walk-Ons, Wannabe Talk-Ons hotline. At the tone, please leave your name and level-headed, well-thought-out take or reaction. By leaving a message, you give Wannabe Walk-Ons the right to use your message in an upcoming episode. Thanks for calling, and drink Big Red. So that's the message you're going to hear. After you hear that, we want to hear what you have to say about the game, good or bad, about the program. If you want to give a reaction to players throwing up 15 to 20 times (laughs) during (laughs) practice, or if you want to give a reaction to the Irish Times posting a a hit article on Nebraska, whatever you want, we want to hear your thoughts. We want to hear it. We want you to be a part of the show. And then we want to be able to laugh at it. Yes. Or laugh wait. with it. Excuse yeah. me. Laugh you with go. you, yeah. not at you. Just like you laugh with us, not at us. Absolutely. Yeah. So moving right in, Drew, I know you've been looking forward to this beer sampling because you happen to be a very big fan of the beer that we're drinking right now. So why don't you tell us, tell our listeners what we're sipping on today? Mm. Well, we're, I'm beyond sipping. I'm putting down Guinness along with you. It is, it's my favorite beer of all time. There's 
a lot of great beer out of there, out there in the world. But uh, Guinness has a special place in my heart. It was the first beer I fell in love with. What did you I marry? Can't, yeah, if I could, man, if I could, I, it's just I don't know what it, it's the it's the flavor, it's the creaminess, it's the it's a pork chop in a bottle. I mean, it is just the best beer. It is the best beer. So I love it. I'm happy that uh, we're enjoying it right now. Absolutely. And we are enjoying it in honor of Nebraska's first game taking place in Dublin, Ireland at Aviva Stadium against Northwestern. But again, before we dive into that, Drew, I've got the history of Guinness in front of me. And normally we cover Nebraska breweries and share their history. Right, right. Well, I thought it'd be kind of nice to talk about the St. James's Gate Brewery in Dublin, Ireland that brews Guinness. So would you like to hear a little more about them? I would love to. All right. So this is an abbreviated history. Obviously, they span 270 years of, <laughs> of beer brewing. So there's a lot of history there. But I, I picked the, the highlights, so to speak, the Reader's Digest okay, of their history. Nice. In 1759, Arthur Guinness signed a lease for the St. James's Gate Brewery in Dublin, Ireland. He leased the brewery for 9,000 years at an annual rent of 45 pounds. At the time, the brewery was four acres inside, disused, and had little brewing equipment. Despite this, Arthur quickly built up a successful trade and in just 10 years began exporting his beer to England. In the 1770s, Arthur was introduced to and began brewing porter, a new type of English beer. Porter was different from ale because it was brewed using roasted barley, giving the beer a dark ruby color and rich aroma. Arthur's porter... (laughs) Arthur's porter? (laughs) He's Swedish now. (laughs) Arthur porter... Arthur's Porter was so successful that in 1799, he stopped brewing ale and focused solely on porters. At the time of Arthur's passing, Guinness was handed over to his son, Arthur Guinness II. Arthur II continued developing the business, and in the 1830s, they became Ireland's largest brewery. Not too bad from going from four acres and and nothing. Right. Well, he had a 9,000-year runway. (laughs) You'd hope he would be able to take off at some point. Yeah. If we had 9,000 years to get this (laughs) podcast right, man, we'd take over the world. By the 1850s, Arthur II's son, there's a lot of of Guinnesses in this story. So I I forgive you all if you have a hard time following along. So by 1850, Arthur II's son, Benjamin Lee Guinness, great name, probably handsome and intelligent, took over the business. In 1862, Benjamin introduced the first trademark label for Guinness Stout, which we are currently enjoying at this moment. Benjamin died in 1868, leaving the brewery to his son, Edward Cecil Guinness. It was under Edward's leadership that the St. James's Gate Brewery became the largest in the world. By the end of the 19th century, sales of Guinness Stout had reached 1.2 million barrels a year, and the once four-acre brewery grew to 60 acres in size and included its own railway and fire brigade. Dang. Yeah. So going from 1868, we're going to fast forward just a little bit to 2014. <laughs> I told you this is the footnotes, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. So the St. James's Gate Brewery opened brew house number four in Dublin, Ireland in 2014. This new facility still stands as the most technologically advanced, environmentally sustainable, and largest brewery in the world. The brewery consumes over 100,000 tons of Irish barley per year and is one of Ireland's largest major economic contributors. Today, Guinness Stout is sold over 150 countries around the world with an average of 10 million pints enjoyed daily. Holy God, daily. Daily. I I contribute a little bit to that, but... Ten million a day. Yeah, That's when insane. when you dive into the history, um, Guinness really like made their way in different places like Africa. There's a huge 
Guinness fandom down in Africa, um, all around the world, they, they found these pockets and their, yeah. their distribution strategy was literally they would get on a ship, they would go to places and they'd be like, there's no brewery here. And then they would just <laughs> brew Guinness there. Yeah. And it became part of the local community. They were one of the first breweries to offer Medicare to their employees. They were one of the first breweries to offer these kind of benefits and, and things of that nature. Like it's kind of insane what they did. Mm-hmm. Very forward thinking. Um, and yeah, they started with a 9,000 year lease and only 45 pounds a year. So for inflation, you know, not yeah, too damn right? bad. <laughs> so I got some Guinness facts for you Okay. in addition to the history. And awesome. these are just some facts about Guinness that I thought were too good to pass up. So we're drinking Guinness from a can, which right. is argued to be the second best way to enjoy Guinness outside of having it on draft in yeah. Dublin. But when a Guinness can is popped open, a small amount of beer and nitrogen which is trapped inside of a widget inside the can, is forced out to create that famous creamy head that you'd expect on a Guinness. Now, we got that when we poured it out. It's this nice, thick layer of foam that doesn't really disappear. Does not go away. No, it just hangs in there, Mm. and it's part of the experience. Now, that widget won the Queen's Award for Technology in 1991. Can you guess what it beat out in 1991 for the best technological advancement? The internet. The internet. Is it really? The The fucking internet. (laughs) We got our priorities straight here, people. <laughs> the queen went, this, this, this matters more. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to have a bigger impact around the world than the internet. I mean, 10 million, how many people use the internet a day? I think it's more than, more 10, than 10 million, million a day. Yeah. 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 All right. So uh, this, this next fact uh, impacts me more than it impacts you. Okay. But I still feel it's important to share. So Guinness commissioned a study in the year 2000, which found that an estimated 162,719 pints of Irish stout go to waste every year via facial hair. That's disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) According to scientists, 0.56 milliliters of Guinness is trapped in a beard or mustache with each sip. It takes about 10 sips to finish a pint. So an an estimated 92,370 Guinness consumers every year in the UK have facial hair. Mm-hmm. Figuring they consume an average of 180 pints per year, the total cost of wasted Guinness annually is about $536,000. Half a million dollars worth of Guinness is just... Good Lord. Yeah. Shave, people. <laughs> Shave. Save the beer. So if you want to get the most out of your Guinness, take Drew's advice. Yes. Right? Shave. That's why Drew doesn't have a beard. Exactly. It has nothing to do with... <laughs> Genetics. Me being, yeah, some prepubescent looking. (laughs) (laughs) So here's here's another fact that uh, you and I could both take advantage of. Up until 2009, blood donors in Ireland would get a coupon for a free pint of Guinness after they gave blood. Hey, all right. Yeah. I like that. I feel like the Red Cross should just adopt that instead of just calling me out of the blue and be like, it's time to give blood. (laughs) Yeah. Let's swap a pint for a pint. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good campaign kind of tag is it how much blood do they take they don't take a yeah they take a pint pint? yeah okay nice well it's nice to know that you're not a vampire because you probably know (laughs) a bearded vampire actually loses a lot of blood (laughs) (laughs) okay this this fact is probably my favorite of the bunch guinness created a full-length action movie called critical assignment that was shown in cinemas across africa the story follows the journalist Michael Power as he tries to stop a corrupt politician from buying weapons with stolen money. Okay. Power gets all of his superhero strength from drinking Guinness. Awesome. He's you, like he's like an awesome version of Popeye. Yeah, he's yeah. the Popeye of Guinness. Yes. Here's the best part. The movie Critical Assignment 
is available for free on Amazon Prime. No You way. can stream this movie. Now, to go a little bit further, not to sound like it was just like some sort of marketing ploy, it mm-hmm. actually has to do with water consumption in Africa, which is a true problem. It's a true issue. And so he helps people reserve their water against corrupt politicians and other folks who might steal that water away from those who need the water and who have the rightful uh, ownership to that. And Guinness was a really big proponent of making sure that natural water resources stay within those communities because Guinness used a natural water resource in Dublin, Ireland. So it's a major part of their business, but it's also kind of their philanthropic heart throughout the world. Gotcha. So it's like a backbone to that yeah. movie. Yeah, that to said, it. <laughs> it ain't great, guys. Have you watched? Did you watch I watched it? the you trailer, okay. and <laughs> it ain't great, guys. It makes me think of um, Michael Scott in The Office when oh. he's got his own yep. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Instantly where my mind went. Agent uh, Michael Scarn. Yeah. <laughs> here's, here's the last fact. Until 1939, if a Guinness brewer wanted to marry a Catholic... Their resignation was required. Wow, we all got some. Yeah, everybody's got some uh, skeletons in their closet, right? <laughs> you got like a long history. You're gonna have some things that aren't necessarily on the up and up. Yeah. So maybe focus on their philanthropic. Work. There you go. Yeah, yeah. just focus on them <laughs> preserving water and and their water conservation around the world, as opposed to maybe their religious views. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Drew, the one thing we didn't do in uh, in regards to this Guinness is describe the taste of it. So if you haven't had a Guinness before, how would you describe the flavor profile? It is roasty, creamy, coffee, a little bit of chocolate, a lot of bitter. And the nitrogen, like the creamy quality of it, like helps smooth it all out. Yeah. So you can pack a ton of flavor into it from those dark roasted malts. So... If you are someone who enjoys like an iced black coffee, you would like Guinness. Like a nitro brew black coffee, it is the beer equivalent of that. It just hits those same notes, those same flavor profiles, that little bit of bitterness, that little bit of roastiness. But the surprising thing I think about Guinness is it's not heavy. Yeah, that's what. So like, yeah, everybody calls it the pork chop in the bottle, which I think is a fun a name for it. Yeah. But like, I don't feel like I've ever putting them down and like feel bloated or heavy or weighted down by it at all it's just it to me it still is incredibly drinkable for being the the big stout that it is yeah so later on in the episode we're going to talk about the other offerings that aviva stadium has and we're going to sample those but if you are in ireland we highly encourage you if you're listening to this and you're taking the trip please 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 get a pint of plain order a guinness enjoy it from an irish pub because there is no better place in the world and no better beer in the world when you combine all of those factors together. Like it is, it is the pinnacle of drinking a beer. Yeah. All right. We got the beer out of the way. Okay. We've got the preseason out of the way. Thank God. <laughs> we 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 almost made it through without any kind of big blowups in the news, without any kind of <laughs> bullshit going on. But Drew, we are finally here to previewing Nebraska's very first game of the 2022 season, and that is Nebraska against Northwestern. I'm going to throw just the facts at you. Perfect. Then I'm going to get out of the way so that we can start talking about Nebraska football. How's that sound? Sounds wonderful. I've been waiting for this moment for a long time. All right, so here are just the facts for Nebraska versus Northwestern. The Week Zero game between the Nebraska Cornhuskers and Northwestern Wildcats, dubbed the Aer Lingus College Football Classic, will be played on Saturday, August 27, 2022 at Aviva Stadium in Dublin, Ireland. 
Aviva Stadium, with a capacity of 51,700, is the National Stadium for Ireland, home to the Irish Rugby Union team and the Republic of Ireland's football, parentheses soccer, team. Kickoff is scheduled for 11.30 a.m. Central Time or 5.30 p.m. in Dublin and is set to air on Fox. Nebraska is led by head coach Scott Frost in his fifth season. He holds a 15-29 record as the Huskers' head coach. Northwestern is led by head coach Pat Fitzgerald in his 17th season. Northwestern is 109-90 under the leadership of Fitzgerald. This game marks the 15th meeting between these two teams, with Nebraska holding the advantage 9-6. The Huskers defeated the Wildcats last year in Lincoln with a score of 56-7. At the time of this recording, the spread is sitting at 12 points in favor of the Huskers, with a points total of 50.5. Any initial reaction on that? Do you feel like that's a... A fair spread? Are you surprised by that at all? The points total? How I'm does not, that feel? I'm not you? surprised by it. Um, I think that last year's blowout contributes to it being in double figures. Yeah. I, th- I think that if I'm a Vegas guy making spreads, this has to be incredibly difficult because you're looking at a Northwestern team that's probably going to be better yeah. than last year and Absolutely. a Nebraska team that's fucking unpredictable sure um that finds a way to lose games um in the weirdest ways and then your week zero overseas so a lot of weird things going on here a lot of factors that play into it 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 does feel a little bit like darts on a dartboard where it's like we're gonna pick a team to be favored we're gonna see where the money goes and the money's really been pretty even yeah it hasn't like it's not shifting around too much so i think people kind of have a similar feeling and i think it's favoring nebraska winning but northwestern covering and i think they're going for an under on points total i think is where the money is is falling right now okay which i'm fine with all of that um if nebraska wants to cover i'm fine with that too (laughs) (laughs) so let's start talking nebraska's offense versus northwestern's defense drew take it away okay so i did something weird here with how i kind of broke my stuff down since we were operating um in this sort of just vague we're still in the preseason. We have no information to go on. We've got a brand new offense that I don't think anybody knows what to expect um, outside of people on that team. And because I think we are going to go from a three and nine to a nine and three team. Yeah, that's that is your prediction. That's my <laughs> batshit crazy prediction. I'm living in a land of hope right now. Hey, and it is. I am so okay with it. Real, this is way off. This is a little bit off. But so preseason, we're when you're cheering for a football team, okay, you are playing the stock market with monopoly money yeah you and we're about to pasco we're going to collect free 200 dollars. just invest the shit out of it and yeah. have a good fucking time absolutely okay so that's what i'm doing every preseason i do this this is why i'm so sad by the end of the season <laughs> lately is because i'm uh, my hopes are always dashed but this year three and nine nine and three so we're going to go with an inside out theme okay we're flipping okay. things around um, and because we have no information to go on, it's pure feelings. Right, so when you say inside out, are you talking the Pixar, Pixar movie? Pixar, Pixar yeah. movie. Yep. Okay. So bing it's bong. all feelings. Saddest, saddest so moment in the sad, entire movie. Yeah. No bing bong moments this game. We're, we're going to try to, um, avoid that. I mean, we have to talk about something sad here, but yeah. okay. We're going to start with happiness. Okay. Okay. Here's what I'm happy for. We finally get to see what the offense looks like. We get to see how much of this is going to be Whipple. What sort of influence Frost might have on it. We get to see Casey Thompson in action. I'm just excited to have a new quarterback. I got nothing against 2 a.m. I like change. I like seeing something sure. fresh. I think it's okay to be looking forward to change when the past four seasons have not lived up to, I don't think, the players' abilities and the, and the talent we have on that team. Yes. I don't think change is a bad thing. I don't either. And I think it's okay to be excited for a new quarterback Absolutely. Without, without knocking the totally. old guy. So, 100%. 
Also happy to see this wide receiver room. There's some talk, especially about like Marcus Washington mm-hmm. coming out lately. Um, that's got me excited. And then you still have like guys like Trey Palmer, Omar Manning, Alante Brown's another guy that's been getting a lot of attention um, in the press from fall camp. So seeing those guys um, hooking up with Casey Thompson, very excited about that. And then the running back room. I'm all about Anthony Grant. I've been about him since uh, watching his highlights oh when gosh. he first committed. Yeah, Cannot wait to see him playing game action. So excited to have Gabe Irvin back in there too because he was um, he was something special before his injury. And then the fact that they have Ramir Johnson in this new special like wide back role, which is just the duck R yeah. by a different name. Having him in that place and hearing like all the work that he's done is yeah it's just it's just exciting i'm happy i'm happy just to see what it is sure sure so you're looking forward to really just seeing this offense in motion yes satisfying the curiosity and then also finding things to be excited about moving forward do you have anything that you anticipate nebraska is going to start with as far as their attack on offense do you do you see any specific way that they want to go after northwestern that like so not in particular i mean again i don't know sure if it's me and i'm just looking at it um I think that uh, you attack them up the middle. I th- yeah. And I think we talked about this in the preseason. I don't know if they did enough on that defensive line at that defensive tackle spot to to bring anybody in that can stop the run. So we've got, again, we've got a, a bunch of running backs. Let's use them. Let's, let's establish the run, and then we can start slinging the ball and, and see what happens. But I don't know. Maybe they'll do it the other way around. Maybe they'll start slinging the ball and and uh, to establish the run. So, so I spent... The past two weeks after we finished recording our last episode, rewatching and rewatching and rewatching last year's Nebraska Northwestern game. Yeah. And every single time, day after day, I'm always so happy with Yant's performance. Yes. Yeah. He ran all over Northwestern. And the reason I bring this up is I actually think that he's going to make hay again this game. And there's a reason for that. It's the running styles of a guy like Anthony Grant, the running styles of Gabe Irvin, and the running styles of Ramir Johnson. They tend to be more hit the gap and go or, or hit that hole, whereas Yant needs that first bit of contact to kind of get his strength, right? If right. Michael Power needs Guinness to get his superhuman <laughs> strength and Popeye needs spinach, Yant needs to get hit. Yeah. Once he's hit, he starts throwing people. He starts hulking out. This dude's gotten leaner but stronger and faster in the offseason. He's been praised for his work ethic. When you look at Northwestern's defense, of the five guys returning who made tackles last year, you repeat that, there's only five guys on Northwestern returning who made tackles in last year's game. Yeah. Only one of them is a linebacker and one is a defensive lineman. They don't have a lot of guys returning with experience playing against Nebraska on that front seven. The other three are DBs. So their secondary is very experienced against Nebraska. Yeah. And they were pretty damn good, actually, last year against Nebraska. But Nebraska just didn't need to go through the air a whole lot. They had a couple of big plays, but they just thrashed Northwestern's front. Yeah. So I foresee the running backs having a huge game. And you might be a little disappointed because I don't think you're going to see the full breadth of the offense because I think the running attack is going to work pretty damn well this game. Okay. And and I and I, I hope that's true. I hope that they can, they can go vanilla and win. But I whoa, also... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. I'm not saying they go vanilla. I'm saying we see the full breadth of the running game. Okay, I got you. I hope that happens, but I also think that it being a conference game and an interdivisional game, and it is Northwestern, who we do normally play close, I think we will see a little bit more of the offense opening up. I think okay. we'll have to. Sure. And I, and I think that Nebraska is not going to 
want to try to be coy up front to see what they can get away with. I think they're just going to have to come out and and do what they know that they're able to do best, um, and hopefully that's what their actual offense is. I think they're going to need that. I don't. Sure. I don't think they're going to want to mess around and play with fire here, trying to get away with a simple game. I guess if my sense. my feeling for that is not necessarily to say they're going to go against Northwestern and be vanilla. It's when you look at the offense from last year and what they tried to be. They did try to air it out quite a bit. They did try and have this quarterback run, but what worked against Northwestern was the running backs. And so I think that's going to work against them again. Okay. So it's not so much like a, hey, we're trying to play close to the vest and, and be coy and be sneaky, and, and we don't want to give everything away before North North Dakota. No, I, you know, I'm not worried about that. Yeah. I just think that's going to be most effective against this defense. I got gotcha. you. And I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement there. I think I think we will be able to run the ball well, but I don't know if that's what they're going to want to do. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how many times have we said, wow, this was super effective in this game, mm-hmm. and then Nebraska, with Scott Frost calling the plays, he comes around and does something completely different the next game. Right. And now, and you know, now with a new play caller and a new offense and a new system, new players across the board, who, I mean, who knows? Yeah. So. The, the other side of that, if I'm looking at the similar numbers and, and kind of countering that again with the the wide receiver play is that the leading returning receiver from last year's Northwestern game is Omar Manning with one reception for 28 yards. Right. No one else comes back with more. Toure had a big game and Xavier Betts Betts, had a, had a really nice run Mm -hmm. and had a couple of nice catches, but Austin Allen gone. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of the guys who made hay against this defense and already had experience against it, aren't going to be there. Now, again, you said it right in your, in your introduction of, of this offense, we haven't seen any of it. We don't know shit, <laughs> but if I'm looking at what we have from this year to last year, I expect a, a run heavy as a, as a way to be effective against this defense. Yeah. Let's flip the coin. Let's do it. How do you feel about Nebraska's defense going against Northwestern's offense? I feel incredible about this. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I feel incredible about their defense just on the whole, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter who they're going up against in the first game. This is the exact opposite of the offense. You have all these coaches who have been around. Even Mike Dawson, you know, he bounced out for a bit, but he came back. There's such consistency here. Um, there's guys that we've seen grow up over the past few years and, um, you know, move into these starting roles. They've come up behind other guys who are now in the NFL. This is just a solid unit that has improved year over year. And so, and this might be the, the most depth that they've had potentially the most talent across the board since Frost has taken over. So as excited as I am to be to see the offense and see what it is, I am probably more excited just to get to experience this defense again. Yeah. As far as, you know, your happiness here, what makes you unhappy? Where <laughs> where where is the hole in Nebraska's defense for you or where is the concern? So the, I I guess I have a couple. The biggest, probably my biggest concern on defense is the secondary, mm-hmm. and that's just because there's there's a lot of new guys there. Um, I'm not like I'm not necessarily apprehensive about it. I don't think that it's not going to work because Travis Fisher is an incredible coach. All of the guys that uh, we're hearing about are either um, they've either like been around for a long time and they've been working together, and that have the confidence of the coaching staff to step up and perform as starters, um, or guys like Tommy Hill and Omar Brown who are coming in who are at least living up to expectations for, for what, what the coaching staff thought sure. they were getting when they transferred in. So um, I'm not overly worried about that, but it, uh, it does take time, I think, for especially when you have like two new safeties to 
sort of get a feel for each other, um, be able to play without communicating, knowing what the other guy is going to be doing on a given play. You know, you always worry about like if they're covering the right assignment, if they're rotating correctly to make sure that they're not blowing coverages. So there will be, I assume, some growing pains there. With a team like Northwestern, you know, it's like it's not like a high-powered offensive attack, so it's not too concerning. But there were some plays last last year, you know, where Northwestern had some nice little pass plays yep. against us. Um, and they were able to, I think that was against Cam Taylor Britt, where they were able to score a touchdown on, on on him. And so only one though. Yeah, it was just the one. Just the one. It was just the one. And Nebraska, um, I think, was already up twenty eight nothing or twenty one nothing at that point. Like not not to give an excuse, but I think that they were being more aggressive on getting to Halinski when they did give that up. Because it was a, a pretty damn sound game from that secondary to start the game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not a knock on them. It's just, it is possible, though, for Halinski to complete passes on us. He did it last year. Yeah. Can I can I say on that point, Halinski's a better quarterback, I think, than he gets credit for. I don't think he has the receiver talent. Because he was putting balls where they needed to be last year. They just weren't being brought in. Yeah. And it's not like Northwestern didn't have a chance to catch those balls. I mean, Nebraska's linebackers and their secondary were, were in coverage, and they were doing a great job on that. But the ball was where it needed to be. His receivers just needed to make plays. And I think a lot of the flack that Helinski got last year was more due to the fact that he didn't have a lot of talent at skill positions. Yeah, I honestly, this is, this sounds terrible as we're sitting here like prognosticating on this game. I don't know any of Northwestern's wide receivers. Um, I don't either. I Because the only person that really made catches in the last game was Robinson, and he's gone. Yeah. But Halinski threw for 256 yards against Nebraska last year, mm-hmm. which was 47 yards over Nebraska's average. He can throw the ball. Yeah. They can catch the ball. It's just that that's not what they're designed to be. It's almost like a we have to be this in order to get past this front seven. And when you look at what Nebraska's run defense did last year, they allowed 85 yards, and that's that's if I don't take away the sack yards. Right. Right. Yeah, like, they, yeah they held they – held, um, Evan Hole and Andrew Clare to a full yard below their season average. Yeah. Um, so it was a very impressive game on that. Y- yard per carry, right? Not yard. What did I say? You said just a yard under their average. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yard per carry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he normally runs 100 normally yards. We held to 99. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so our, yeah, our run defense is there. I do. I mean, I worry about, like, what happens if this run game gets going because they've got those guys back. They've got Cam Porter. They've got an offensive line that's got a ton of veterans on it, right? Yeah. Not necessarily proven experience, but old older guys. Yeah. You know, guys who have been around now and they've got Peter Sikowski who's probably gonna be a top ten draft pick. Sure. And so they and again and then Holinsky who can we know can will give him passes, right? I think I think all of his completions or a lot of his success last year is just the way that Nebraska's defense is also designed just to to give up those right. yards. But if if Northwestern's able to get their run game going even a little bit against us you know that can spell trouble. I don't foresee it happening. Um, let me let me add a little bit of comfort to okay. that. Okay. If we're looking at what Nebraska's run defense was capable of last year, again they only gave up 85 yards, and that's without taking out the 47 sack yards. I mentioned that Northwestern returns five tacklers from last year. Five of the top six tacklers for Nebraska from last year return for this year. Three of them are linebackers, and two are the defensive line. I'm pretty confident that this run defense will be suffocating yet again. Okay. You mentioned the secondary is a bit of a concern. We only return mm-hmm. one person in our secondary who made a tackle against Northwestern last year, and that's Quentin Newsom. Right. So I'm in the same boat, right, where our our front seven needs to be aggressive and suffocating and get Helinski off schedule and stifle that run defense to give a little bit of a break and give that secondary some real game reps, get them comfortable, get them confident. 
so that when they do ultimately start throwing the ball around, they feel like, hey, I'm supported. They keep the timing off, and that secondary can can get comfortable. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, and you want I think you want to have Northwestern in predictable downs yeah. and distances. Um, but yeah. <laughs> not not to shit on the offense of Northwestern. They never run anything predictable in those situations. <laughs> they might run the ball when it's third and 15 from their own whatever. That's true. And then they're like, we're happy to punt. <laughs> <laughs> we're just happy you invited us to play. But no, I think they, I think that um, another thing that will help this secondary is the pass rush. We haven't, I, the, the fact that we haven't even talked about the edge rushers yeah. yet this far into a com- conversation about our defense is incredible. But that's, I guess that's another thing that I'm, I'm excited about is seeing those guys in action. We've been hearing about O'Shawn Mathis. We know Garrett Nelson is a fucking baller. Uh, Caleb Tanner, I think, is going to really take off. He, I, he flashed last year, but having more supporting cast around him, I think is going to help his, just his stats. Can I make a bold prediction? Mm-hmm. I think he will have the most tackles for loss out of our defensive, out of the entire team this season. Can I, what, what makes you think that? I think that teams are going to be focused on Oshan. Mm-hmm. I think that Garrett has always been a disruptor. He's right. never really been the guy to, to make the tackle, but he's always the guy fucking up the play yeah. in, a, in a good way, right? I'm not saying like, oh, he just is such a high-speed guy that he shuts doors. He holds that edge. He forces you to cut back in where guys are, are ready and waiting for you. And I think Caleb Tanner has the best of both worlds. Right. He has the strength and the speed and the skill, and he can th- – he, there's a clip of him against Illinois – throwing an offensive lineman backwards <laughs> yes, and yeah. making a sack like I think that he has the tools and like you said he has the supporting cast mm-hmm. to where he's not going to be the guy that they're thinking about first or second he's going to be the guy that they have to think about third and by that time it's too late yeah so I predict that with those other guys out there he's he's going to rack up some some numbers yeah I I think I think that's this I can see that. Yeah, I'm not going to argue against it or anything. I think it's like throwing a dart. Just a hot take. Just yeah, a hot yeah, take. it's good. I think that it's it's the only reason I would I guess hold back on making that argument myself is because I don't know if they'll. How are they all three going to be on the field at the same time? Sure. I do know that Chin said those three could line up as just know. as the line. Yeah. Yeah, which would be great. Yeah. Oh, fuck. And then, then, oh man, yeah. Then with like Ty Robinson on the field, I get so oh, giddy. Yeah. Like, this is what happens every time I talk about this defense is like all these like fucking names. It's like, oh, oh yeah. Ty Robinson, we haven't even talked in. about guys like Devin Drew or Wynn from Alabama. Like, we no. haven't talked about these guys who are going to be impact players, but because it's been such a quiet camp from a personnel standpoint, and guys are just like, no, we're here to work. Yeah. That I think this defense, obviously, the linebackers are getting a lot of love in the national media. I think one Rightfully person so. ranked them the the ninth best linebacker core in the nation. Yeah, but I think that the defensive line is also going to be pretty darn stout. Yes, yeah, the whole front, just the whole front, I think is going to be incredible. I think it's going to make the secondary look better for a while until the secondary is clicking. If the secondary needs that time to gel. All right, so here's something we haven't talked about a whole lot, which is special teams. Yeah, we haven't talked a lot about special teams in the preseason yet, and that's okay. I think that's. <laughs> Now, I'm not saying that because we were. I'm not saying that because we were terrible at it. I'm saying that because that's fine. Like they is the same as everybody else. They just they brought in their coach. They brought in the personnel for it. They just put their heads down. They're going to work. Yeah, and um, we're gonna see. I guess what the hell they come up with. So would it be out of line if I still said even with the additions we made and with all we're hearing from camp, I give Northwestern the advantage 
for special teams. That would be 100% out of line. You think so? I'm pretty sure that they are also replacing their kicker and their punter. They are. Mm-hmm. But but the one area... So I did some some numbers. I did some digging, and I looked into their transfers. Don't present facts with your <laughs> argument. We're in the <laughs> land of feelings. All right, now yeah. Get what off my got? ass, bing bong. <laughs> so Nebraska brought in Brian Bruschini yes. as their punter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a punting average of 45.8 yards throughout his career at Montana. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Northwestern brought in Luke Akers from UCLA. His career punting average is 43 yards. It's two to three yards difference, but I don't think it's a huge discrepancy when it comes to punt yards. Okay. The yeah. difference between the, the eight-yard line and the 12-yard line, the difference between... Bill Bush would have something to say about that. Yeah, okay. Well, he's not on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> he wouldn't answer my call. <laughs> Nebraska brought in field goal kicker Timmy Bleakroad. He's got a career record of 21 of 25 and a long of 51. Northwestern brought in Adam Stage. Got a career 8 of 10, long of 46. So Nebraska's got a little bit of an edge with field goal kicking. Correct. But to me where the special teams is made is in punt return yards and flipping the field. And that's where Northwestern holds the advantage. As of right now. With what we've seen so far, I'm giving them the preseason edge. If I'm looking at the facts, I can't be like, fact, fact, fact. You're looking at the past. I am. <laughs> I am. But. Look into your crystal ball, Ben. Oh, not right no, now. Right, yeah. Not right. right now. What makes what makes Northwestern? What makes Northwestern? Yeah. Nebraska's three-yard punt return average. <laughs> That can't be real. That is 100% real. Wow. That might even be an inflated number. <laughs> I've seen some places reported as 2.7. I did the math on my end. I got three. So when Nebraska returned a punt, our average return was three yards. Mm-hmm. Our kickoff average return was 15.6 yards. To be fair, Northwestern's kickoff return when they returned was 15.1. So I don't give an advantage to either team there. That's okay. a push. But when Northwestern returned a punt, they averaged 15.6 yards per return. And they returned it more than Nebraska did. So that's where I give their special teams an edge is it's part of their culture and it's been a part of their culture for a longer time. Pat Fitzgerald has coached special teams to be a significant part of their team. And so they are able to take advantage of flipping the field in a punt situation. That said, when it comes to the changes Nebraska's making on special teams with Bill Bush, that could change. But if I'm looking at the stats and I'm comparing apples to apples... Sure. I keep I keep raising yeah. my voice to like cut you <laughs> no, up. Like, no, 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 no. 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 <laughs> Stop, don't talk yet. <laughs> so they are very similar on the the punter ability and the field goal kicker ability. But as far as the return ability, it's yet to be seen with Nebraska. So I do give a slight edge to Northwestern. But if we're talking about things we're excited to see, special teams is just as high on that list. Yeah. I, yeah, it sounds like guys have, have fully bought in. They're talking about all these starters who are who are going to be a part of the team. We know that especially for this first game with the limited roster size as far as like who can actually suit up they're saying if you you know we're going to bring 100 and almost 120 guys but only 74 are going to play you better be on special teams you better be doing your job on special teams if you want to suit up yeah and so like just that i mean that's always been the, the case but it's not i don't feel like it's been held to like a high the highest standard that it needs to be that that uh, bill bush is doing here so i will agree with you that Northwestern probably that they, Northwestern has the edge there for now. I think that of all the things, and this I'm not alone in this. Of all the changes that are, are that have taken place, improving on special teams is going to be the thing that takes Nebraska to a winning season. Yeah. If they if they yeah. improve significantly, they will see their wins 
go up significantly. Yeah. The best stat from this Northwestern game from last year is Nebraska's punt average because there was one punt in the game and it was an 84-yard punt. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. So when I looked at those oh, numbers, man. I was like, well, Nebraska clearly holds the edge there. <laughs> but then you dive a little deeper. And as far as a, a, yeah. a total season goes, these are the kind of numbers that you can start to strive towards. Yeah. So I give Northwestern the edge there, but in the other two facets of the game, I give Nebraska the edge. So we got to see if Nebraska can beat Northwestern right. on that. Yeah. yeah. All right, Drew, are you ready to provide your prediction to Nebraska Northwestern? Absolutely. Okay. I'm ready to hear yours. Okay, I'll go first, okay. and then I'm going to let you bring it home. Wonderful. Okay. It's been 274 days since Nebraska has played meaningful football, even longer if your definition of meaningful football is playing for bowl eligibility. We've spent an entire human gestational period guessing what this Nebraska team will look like in 2022, and if I'm being honest, I got nothing left in the tank. For my Nebraska Northwestern prediction... I'm opting to forego the snark and instead share a poem from our lovely host country. This poem is called On Raglan Road by famed Irish poet Patrick Cavanaugh. It tells of an unrequited love and is in no way a metaphor for the way Nebraska football has treated us fans for the past two decades. On Raglan Road, on an autumn day, I met her first and knew that her dark hair would weave a snare that I might one day rue. I saw the danger, yet I walked along the enchanted way and I said, let grief be a fallen leaf at the dawning of the day. On Grafton Street in November, we tripped lightly along the ledge of the deep ravine where can be seen the worth of passion's pledge. The queen of hearts still making tarts and I not making hay. Oh, I love too much. And by such and such is happiness thrown away. I gave her gifts of the mind. I gave her the secret sign that's known to the artists who have known the true gods of sound and stone and word and tint. I did not stint, for I gave her poems to say. With her own name there, and her own dark hair like clouds over fields of May. On a quiet street where old ghosts meet, I see her walking now away from me so hurriedly my reason must allow that I had wooed not as I should a creature made of clay. When the angel woos the clay, he'd lose his wings at the dawn of day. Nebraska 38, Northwestern 17. <laughs> I hope that nobody fell asleep. (laughs) No, if, uh, as I say, if the whole, if the whole, uh, football and beer podcast doesn't work out, we can just switch over to poetry. We'll just just read poetry. poetry. I really do feel like we've done a lot of talking Uh and now I'm just ready to embrace Saturday, August 27th. The same. Let the game be what it is. The same, but I'm going to do a lot more talking (laughs) right now. (laughs) Well, I'm looking forward to hearing it. Good. I don't. Yeah, I don't have any poems, but I've got a I've got a pun to start off mine, so that yeah, tells you buddy. what kind of a dipshit I am. <laughs> uh, all right, here we go. What's the fastest growing city in the world? The capital of Ireland. It's always Dublin. <laughs> uh, also, Dublin by the minute is my excitement as we get closer to the 2022 opener. No, I'm not a fan of the team playing a season opener overseas against an interdivisional foe. But if you have to travel 4,000 miles to play against someone in your division, you'll take the consensus bottom feeder 11 times out of 10. That's not to say Northwestern is a pushover. God knows we've played some tight games against them. But I'm willing to bet Patrick William Fitzgerald will be mistaken by more Irish attendees as a long-lost cousin than he will the coach of a high-quality football team. In truth, I hold Fitzgerald's Northwestern program in high regard. He's done more with this group of semi-athletic nerds than any other coach in the country these past 16 years. 
Jesus. <laughs> God damn it, it not beat us. So when I say his team will struggle against Nebraska and Ireland, I mean no offense. I'm sorry, let me try that again. I mean no offense. <laughs> don't expect only one touchdown again this year, but also don't expect the Wildcats to light up the scoreboard against what may be Chenander's most talented defense to date. Nelson, Mathis, and Tanner will show the offseason hype is justified, while Reimer and Henrich plug gaps and keep the run game in check. There will be a miscommunication or two between an unseasoned secondary, which will lead to busted plays and points for the boys in purple. But all told, defense will win the day. It would be foolish to try and predict what the hell happens on offense. Possible post-game commentary can realistically range from build a statue of future Heisman winner Casey Thompson now to burn the program to the ground yesterday. About the only things that I do know are this. I know that Ramir Johnson will pop up all over the field and pop up in a Sunday slew of hard work, pays off, don't count this guy out type newspaper headlines. Marcus Washington will be the guy that gets the attention of everybody not already paying attention. And the offensive line will prove they are not just a bunch of six foot, eight inch, 300 pound meat monsters put on this earth to ruin everything you love and sap the last breath of hope for a winning season from your shriveled lungs but that they are, in fact, a bunch of 6-foot, 8-inch, 300-pound meat monsters who have talent that just needed a little time and a lot of puking to fully develop into a <laughs> massive wall of competent blocking. Bushini punts once, Bleak Road kicks one field goal and a few PATs because you don't bring legs that far and not use them. Nebraska slips away with the win, and according to Irish tradition, without a goodbye. Though if you look closely, you will see Scott Frost giving the middle finger to the Irish Times shortly after takeoff. Huskers, 38 Wildcats 17. No fucking way. Yeah. No fucking way. <laughs> For real. Those guys, are the lucky numbers. Guys, we don't confer. We have no communication before this. <laughs> I sent Drew an outline like I, a few days before, yeah. and that's about it. Generally, I don't like talking to you outside <laughs> of, you know, you besides, you know, when we have microphones. So I got. I hope it's not Northwestern 38, Nebraska God, 17. We're going to look like a couple of idiots. Getting our yeah. wires crossed. <laughs> well, that's a good prediction. That's exactly how I felt about my score as well. Yeah, it just feels like there's going to be, you know, Nebraska's offense isn't going to go nuts. You know, it's still, it's early. Um, there's going to be some busted plays. I think Wildcats are going to be improved team. I don't think they're going to be complete pushovers. So yeah. it'll be close-ish, but I think still feel like Nebraska should, you know, set the tone. Yeah. Set the tone for the season. Absolutely. I like those predictions. I'll take them. Before we move on, we want to take a quick moment to talk about our show partner, the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. As we mentioned at the top of the show, Wannabe Walk-Ons is the official podcast of the NCBG. We do our show with no outside funding or advertising because we don't want to take away from what it's all about. Beer, football, and celebrating the communities we love. Our partnership with Guild is not a paid partnership. It's simply a platform to share our show with folks we think will enjoy the things that we're talking about. This past winter, the Guild was instrumental in passing legislation that would allow Nebraska brewers to self-distribute limited quantities of their beer without the need for a middleman. This new law allows the smaller brewers a chance to compete locally with some of the bigger craft brewers in the state. This is a huge step forward for a lot of the brewers in small towns like Taylor, Alliance, Seward, and Syracuse, just to name a few. When you drink craft beer, you're supporting local small businesses, which is important now more than ever. If you're a fan of craft beer like we are, you can support the NCBG by joining the Nebraska Beer Alliance. Being a member gives you access to exclusive discounts, Nebraska beer merch, and members-only information. You can learn more about the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild, find local breweries, and join the Nebraska Beer Alliance by visiting nebraska.beer. 
All right, so to close out today's episode, we thought we would give a little bit of a beer sampling as to what's available at Aviva Stadium in Dublin, Ireland. So if you're not a Guinness drinker, which they absolutely have on tap, they also have four other beers that they tend to keep regularly. One of the beers is Carlsberg Pilsner, and that is a Danish beer made out of Denmark. Another one is Smittix Red Ale. It's, if you're an American, pronounced Smithwicks, but in <laughs> Dublin they pronounce it Smittix. So if you don't want to be made fun of any more than they probably are already making fun of all of us Nebraskans. Smittix, it's a red ale. And then we have Heineken from the south of Holland. So we'll just start with Carlsberg. Drew, what are we thinking about Carlsberg as a beer? Their, their slogan, by the way, is probably the best beer in the world. Probably. <laughs> I'm going to say probably not. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. It's a Pilsner. It's, it's unoffensive. There's just not a lot to it. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, this reminds me of just drinking a, a Bud. Just drinking a simple beer. It's actually a little bit l- even less, more tame than Yeah, than even that. less than that. Yeah. Um, but it, it feels like as close to a domestic, I think, out of the bunch as we're, we're going to find. Yeah, for sure. I do know that on occasion, Aviva will have Coors Light as well, which I think is fantastic. That, nice. Okay. Hey, Taste yeah. of the Rockies made, made its way to Ireland. But, uh, but yeah, for this one, if, if you're a domestic drinker, but you want to try something that's a little bit more foreign or exotic or something along those lines. I if think you Carlsberg, can call it Danish pills <laughs> exotic, yeah. I but think a lot of I, I, Nebraskans <laughs> would call Denmark exotic. Yeah. I agree though. I think that's I think that's the best way to put it. It is it is not offensive. I actually I'm it's kind of grown on me. I really like this beer. <laughs> <laughs> I like the I like the creamy like I like the creaminess of it. Like there's some there's some like body to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and so if I was sitting out, if it was a hot day, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. This it's is like, what I, yeah. If I'm watching a football game, mm-hmm. this is kind of the beer I want. Yeah, I mean, if I'm in Ireland, I want a Guinness. Oh, I would do 100% Guinness all the way. <laughs> like the fact that we're just doing this just to do this. If yeah. I was in the stadium, it'd be Guinness. I'd probably go back but, and forth. Okay, depending on how the game's going. That's fair. Okay, like I might. Like if you want to? I might pre with the Carlsberg, mm-hmm. and then the better the game gets going, I'm gonna start hitting that start Guinness. Hitting it, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start doing. You know different football chants. I'm going to start doing like Seven Nation Army. And then I'm going to switch to Jameson afterwards and it's going to be a shit show. Get banned from Ireland for drinking too much. (laughs) I don't want to go back. (laughs) All right. So moving on to the Smittix or Smithwix. Smithwix. What do you think about this guy? The, The Smittix. Um, this one is surprisingly like less to it than the Pilsner. Yeah. I, for, you know, for a red ale, I would expect a little bit more like of a caramel or something popping out. Yeah. Um, a lot of the times, you know, some craft brewers will do weird stuff and they'll throw extra hops in there. You know, something that just kind of like pops out at you to separate it from the market. Sure. I think about when I drink a red ale, especially an Irish red ale, I think about a nice malt backbone with some mm-hmm. bitterness to counter that sweetness. And I get, I get none of that. I get a little bit of the maltiness. I get a little bit of that backbone, but I get no bitter to really combat that. Mm-hmm. And so it just winds up being kind of a sweet and creamy thing that doesn't really taste like beer to me. Yeah. It it tastes like a watered down root beer float kind of like, oh. not like it doesn't taste like that, but it has that sort of like. Okay. It, it tastes like the foam, right? Yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. That, that. Like bit. it's the end. It's like there's yeah. like, there's those flavors that were there. Right. There's still, there's the essence of them are trapped inside of there, but sure. it's mostly like drinking air. <laughs> the ringing <laughs> endorsement for Smithwicks. Smithwicks. 
okay. probably not quite as good as Carlsberg. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Fully. All right. Now, moving on to this beer that smells like absolute horse shit. <laughs> you and I have differing opinions on this. I but as soon, love this beer. As soon as this beer cracked open, <laughs> I thought you shit your pants. <laughs> I was so excited. <laughs> so excited. Okay. So, I'm going to take a sip and describe it. <laughs> so, the initial sip reeks of bong water. <laughs> And it has the flavor profile of water that's had a spoon sitting too long in it. <laughs> that's how I feel about this Heineken. So if that smells and sounds like an appetizing drink for you to have watching a football game, go for it. What do you think about this beer, Drew? I love it. I love it's. It is skunky as hell. It stinks. It is bad. Like, I understand how people have the adverse reaction to this beer, but... For whatever fucking reason, I must have like a mutated gene. I love this beer. And honestly, it's like one of the most popular beers in the world. So it really is. I don't know if it's a mutated gene on my end or your end. I mean, there's a lot of things that I would say are mutated about me. But we don't need to get <laughs> into the specifics. No, no it, um, I, I think for anyone who likes domestic beers, I would stay away from the Heineken and the Red Ale. I would say absolutely go for the Carlsberg mm-hmm. and have a Guinness, please. Just to at least say, I had a Guinness in Ireland. Because there's apparently no better beer drinking experience than that. Right. That's like the Mecca of, yeah. of beer, right? Yeah. So Guinness taking the number one spot for both of us, I 100%. think. 100%. Right? Yep. What is, what's your deuce? Uh, Heineken. Yeah, that is well, for sure a deuce. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I don't know. It's I, Heineken holds another special little place in my heart. Okay. Um, a green bottle skunk. Oh, it's delightful. I think, if I'm being honest, I think Carlsberg is a more palatable beer. Well, it's probably the best beer in the world, it's according probably, to their can. <laughs> probably a little bit better than Heineken on the whole. Except for that I like Heineken better. When you crack open a Guinness, it releases a little nitrogen. Uh-huh. This sh- When you open a Heineken, it should go... <laughs> <laughs> like, just so that you know what right. you're getting it into. Sh- it puts a hole in the ozone. It really does. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Carlsberg for my for my That's second yeah, second yeah. place beer. Yeah. Third place for you behind Heineken? Carls. Carls for Carlsberg. Sure. Yep. Okay. I would put the Red Ale. Okay. And then the uh, one that tastes like nothing. The one that t- I would <laughs> rather taste nothing. Than- <laughs> I've had COVID. I would rather taste nothing than taste Heineken. I hope I hope that people get my address and just start sending me Heineken. <laughs> I do too cuz I will come <laughs> over all, all the time. The thing is though, if if I were sitting here and I were drinking this by myself and I didn't have this conversation, I wouldn't know that that beer didn't go rancid. I would have thought that that beer got skunked and I took perfect care of this beer. Right. I it brought was- it home. It went into my basement where it acclimated before I put it in the fridge. So like it got general small steps into cooling it down so that it didn't skunk out and it still Smells like fucking roadkill. They, it's why it's in the green bottle. They want light blasting it, like passing through it and skunking it up. God, just ferment it at your place, guys. <laughs> so oh, good. man. So makes, good. Me, makes me not want to go to Holland. Okay. I mean, I'll go sit among the tulips. <laughs> well, if you guys are on your way to Ireland or if you want to have a Ireland-themed party, these are the beers that you can get stateside to enjoy and feel like you're at the Aviva Stadium. There is one more beer that they do have at the stadium, and it's called Rockshore Lager. That is not available in the United States. It is a lager made by 
the same brewer as Guinness, so the St. James's Gate Brewery. I read some reviews on it from folks in Ireland. They say it tastes like Coors Light without the flavor. So What? <laughs> yeah. No, Irish people hate this beer. It is a very divisive beer. Some people are like, uh-huh. this is the perfect beer, and other people are like, that's water, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's sex in a canoe. You've heard that joke, right? It's fucking close to water. <laughs> No, I've not heard oh. that joke. Well, I wish I would have set Fantastic. it up a little more, but I feel like that fit well. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But that being said, Guinness does brew a lager that a lot of people compare this to, and it's called Harp Lager. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people in Ireland are like, we prefer Harp Lager over Rockshore. It's similar flavor profiles, but the flavors are more intense. So if you want to add that fifth option to your lineup, if you're hosting a Huskers in Ireland party, Guinness, Carlsberg, Smittix, Heineken, and you can throw in a harp lager and maybe add half a cup of water to each yeah. bottle or something <laughs> like that. But these are the offerings. Guys, we hope that you enjoyed this episode. We are so excited for Husker football. It is here. We've got beer. It, what's better in life? It's a, this is incredible. This is, my, this is my favorite time of year. Absolutely. There is nothing but just blue skies ahead of us right now. Absolutely. Well, that does it for this week. We want to thank everyone who tuned in to this week's episode. If you have anyone who you think would enjoy a listen, we would truly appreciate your recommendation. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Wannabe Walk-Ons and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Remember to do your part. Drink local beer wherever you are. If you have any breweries you would like us to sample on the show, visit wannabewalkons.com to submit your recommendation. Tune in next week as we react to the Nebraska-Northwestern matchup preview Nebraska's home opener against North Dakota, and return to Flyover Brewing Company in Scotts Bluff for some brewery-only offerings. Thanks for listening, and as always, drink Big Red. Drink Big Red.